Amen. Well, it is good to see you all this morning. Uh, good to see you guys online as well. Please let us know who's there. Say hello. Wave at someone online. I don't know if you can do that online, actually. Just pretend you are and take the sentiment and act like it's there. So uh, good to have you. If you didn't know, winter's officially here. It feels like it is. I mean, amen to that right there. I don't know about you. I love cold weather. I already talking about possible chance of snow. So I'm a praying man. So if snow comes through, my, my, my prayers were answered. Of course, Scripture says prayers of a righteous man will be heard, so I'm not really holding out real high that uh, I'll get snow. Um, but nonetheless, it is good to see you guys. Uh, man, what a great worship. It, it, we have such gifted musicians and everyone up here that gives so much time. Uh, can we just give them a round of applause for just leading us in that? Yeah. I do that because me and Emily at one church, they were in desperate need and had us lead worship and, uh, I mean, Jesus asked us to stop mid-service. It was not good. It, it is amazing to see such gifted people come and the time they pour in. Thank you guys so much for that. Um, so excited to jump back into our series. I have good news and bad news. Depends on how you view the Ecclesiastes series. Uh, good news and bad news, depending on again, how you see it. Uh, we, we're only two more weeks, this week and next week, and then we're done. So if you're tired of Ecclesiastes, that is great news for you, right? Like, praise the Lord. Eric's going to be done with Ecclesiastes. Bad news is, if you loved Ecclesiastes, we have two weeks left, and then it's over, and then we're moving on to something else. So uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it. And as we kind of jump into it, I want to ask you this question as I like discussion. Uh, here's a question I want you to discuss with the people you're around. What, what would others say you live for? Are you like, oh man, this person eat, breathes, drinks, this right here, what would it be? Um, take, 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 take the Christian aspect out. Don't say Jesus. Okay, I know. Let's get that so you don't feel guilty like you're supposed to say something religious here. Well, let's say what you're really feeling, something else right here, like, man, I eat, breathe, and sleep football. I eat, breathe, and sleep. Uh, some people camping. I've had a lot of conversations recently about that. Uh, cow tipping. I don't know what it is. Uh, you, you just throw it out there real quick with the people you're around. Take a second and say, what would others say you live for? Go right now. You guys online, I, I want you just to type it out in one word, okay? You guys just put right there, sleeping, uh, food, I, I don't know, um, croquet, whatever it is, so go for it. And if you don't know what you live for, ask the person you're sitting with and say, what would you say I live for? And let them answer for you. If you're struggling right now, they will tell you, oh yeah, that's all you talk about. That's all you think about. Please don't talk about it anymore. Eric, thanks a lot for bringing this up. All that sort of stuff. It's funny the things we get excited about, isn't it? Or the things that we get attached to or that we, we go all in over and stuff like that. Um, I remember I was in college, I had a friend that I was a roommate with, and he, he, his two favorite passions were NASCAR and hockey. And I go, why? Uh, I don't get that, you know? Like, and he tried to explain, if you're NASCAR or hockey, hey, sorry, I just don't get it. I don't understand it completely. And I was like, you got to explain. And once he started explaining it to me, it started to make sense. Like, okay, that's kind of cool. I was like, NASCAR, I'm like, you just drive in circles for hours on end. And I'm like, dude, I can do that anywhere. And he began to explain it, it began to make sense. Uh, growing up, one, one that was my favorite is my, my little brother growing up was an avid OU fan. I mean, he, he loved OU sports, OU football, all sorts of stuff. And, and I remember being a young, when he was a young middle school kid, uh, when uh, OU made it to the national championship in 2003 and completely choked and lost, he was miserable. I mean, he was, I've never seen someone so angry in my life. He did not talk to anybody, and I kid you not, for a week 
Like he, he lived, breathed this stuff. And then he grew up and he went to college. And you know what he did? He went to OSU, <laughs> and he said it's for an engineering program. And he said, don't worry, I'm going to be a faithful, avid OU fan. And after one week, he's diehard bleed orange, you know, wearing all this sort of stuff. And I said, what happened? He goes, well, you know, I saw the light. I said, you seem like more like a prodigal child to me than someone who saw the light. You know, I don't know. But, but he, he lived for this, and it's amazing how quickly it changed. Because I, I tell you that because his whole life, his room, everything was decorated OU stuff. In a split second, that all changed. And all of a sudden, you look back and go, that was such a waste, right? To dedicate all that time to something that, in the end, didn't really matter. I, my question today, as we kind of jump in this, is, is, is not just what do you live for, but, but what should I live for? And Ecclesiastes talks about this, and he, in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, you can go and start turning there. But it's a question we have to answer. Why, why is it important? Because if you're wrong on what you should be living for, or what you are living for, you, you literally could waste your life. You could spend your entire life living for something that you come to some point and go, that was really absurd. That, that really didn't mean anything. And Ecclesiastes, the whole thing is trying to get us to, and the, the big idea you're going to see today is this, is, is he's trying to get you not to waste your life. Don't waste your life. Now, this isn't my term, this is one John Piper coined with a book he wrote, and I'm not going into all that, but it's a very popular thing, and it's this idea, and like, how do you make sure that this life I have, I get one opportunity with it, how do I not waste it on something that honestly at the end of the day is what uh, uh, Solomon would call meaningless, or if you don't remember, it, it's, oh, I sprayed it in my face, okay, just uh, had a moment there, dumb and dumber moment there, there you go. Uh, it, how do I make sure it's not meaningless? It's not this, this mist that is something I try to grasp for, but there's nothing really attainable in it. And that's what the word meaningless is in Scripture right here when you see. And so we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11 through 12.8, actually, is what we're going to uh, unpack today. And we're going to answer that question, how do I make sure I don't waste my life? How do I make sure my, my mind and my attitude and everything is focused on the right thing? And there's three things we're going to unpack. I'm going to go and give you those points so you know what's coming at you. The, the three things he says is this. The first thing is invest in this life regardless of the risk. The second thing we're going to see is he says enjoy this life regardless of circumstances. But the last thing I think is the most important thing we're going to come to the end is this, is live for the next life regardless of this one. So, so let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 1 through 6. It says, send your grain across the seas in time. I said, send your grain across the seas. And in time, profits will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risk it might lie ahead. See, when the clouds are heavy and the rains come down, whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they, they never harvest. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon, for you do not know if profit will come from, the acti from one activity or another, or maybe both. Now, if you're like me the first time you read that and you're like, Solomon, I don't know what you're saying, man. You're all over the place. It's like someone who's way over your head and you just kind of smile and nod and act like you're falling along and you really don't. But really, the summarization of this first part he's talking about is what I just said is invest in this life regardless of the risk. That's how we make sure we don't waste our life is you invest in this life regardless of the risk. Look what he says, starting verse 1 through 2. He's talking about investing. He says, make wise investments. He goes, cast your, your grain across the seas and in time, profits will flow back to you. He's literally talking about 
about diversifying your funds and investing in stuff. He says, when, when you cast out, when you send your money, don't just keep everything where you are right here, but diversify and send it out because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. He's like, don't, don't just get so huddled up and say to yourself. He's talking about wise financial investment. To literally put your grains to the seed would to say, listen, I'm going to stop just investing in right here. And I'm going to start diversifying my funds on other regions and other areas. I'm going to spread myself out. But why? Because he says uh, in verse 2, Divide your residence among places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. He's all talking about that. He says, you know, invest in this life, diversify, giving you wisdom on how to do it. But verse 3, he's like, but keep in mind, like nothing is certain. He said, clouds are going to get heavy and rain's going to come. You can't stop that from happening in life. That is a fact of life. You're going to have difficult times. There's going to be time a tree falls, and where it falls is where it's going to lie. You can't control, man. That was my grandmother's tree. She planted. There come a day that thing may strike down and just fall right where it is. Life is going to happen. You can't control the uncertainties of life, and you can't predict it. You have a better chance of winning the lotto than predicting the weather in Oklahoma, Right? It's funny, they have people at a job that are weather people, and I'm like, you literally can tell me the weather at 8 a.m. and by noon be 100% wrong. I mean, how often does that happen? And we try to stick our whole life about what they say, and he's like, don't, don't get caught up in that. You can't control the risk. As a matter of fact, verse 4, he's like, there's never a perfect time or a moment. There will never be. Because farmers who wait for that perfect time will, will never plant. And if they watch every cloud, they'll never harvest. There's never a perfect time to do it. I think the same thing with me and Emily. We, we were married for five years before we decided to have kids. And I say we, I meant she. She wanted kids the whole time. And I kept saying, I'm just not ready. It's not the right time. It's not the right time. And after year three, four, she's like, I want kids. I said, I'm going to buy you a puppy instead. And I bought her a puppy. You know how long that lasted? Six months because puppies get big and they're no longer puppies. Now I have a 10-year-old puppy that walks around and farts and stinks all the time that I can't get rid of. And, you know, it's like that, that's what I have. I wasn't ready. There's never a perfect time. If you talk to someone, like, when's the perfect time to have kids? There, there's never a perfect time. You, you just, you just got to go. You just got to trust. You just got to do it. You, sometimes you just need to invest and live in this life. And so his advice, verse 6, I love, is this. He says, so, so plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. He, he's saying this, plant your tree now. There's actually a podcast I just listened to recently by Patrick Lencioni, uh, who gives some leadership advice and stuff. And he, he t- uses this term we've talked about with staff. It's, it's plant your tree Plant your tree right now. He, he says this actually in his podcast. He says, do you know when is the best time to plant a tree? You know when the best time is? Ten years ago? Or the second best is right now? If you wait and say, well, I'm going to plant it tomorrow, that tree will never come. The people who are enjoying the, the fruit of their investment through time is people who actually invested way back instead of waiting for these perfect things, perfect conditions. You, you can't control it. And so he says there's going to be risks. There's going to be troubling times. But you know what? You just need to invest right now in life and enjoy it. Quit, quit waiting for the perfect day. As a matter of fact, verse 5, he's like, God's plans, regardless of what you do, may change on you. God, God has plans. That even he says in Scripture, if I were to tell you, you wouldn't understand it. And so I just need you to have faith and trust me, God may work things out and he may change it. As a matter of fact, he uses this metaphor of pregnancy as, 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 just as no one can understand how a tiny baby grows in its mother's womb. Now a lot of you say, well, science, we can understand that. Yes, I know we know more than we've ever known, but there's even other factors we have no control of that we can't completely wrap our minds around. Like, will my baby be healthy? That's the first, like, man, what you go on your first check, like, is this going to be a healthy baby? What's going to happen here? Is it going to be a boy? Is it a girl? Is it going to look like me or like me and my wife? I'm brown-headed and my wife's got blonde hair and suddenly I have a red-headed child and you're like, where did this come from? And you begin to dig and find out, well, I got family with red Like, I didn't even know this could happen. 
Or you're like the Hosmers who you go to have kids and all of a sudden you have twins. You're like, I didn't ask for two. Look at me now, you know. You just can't control these things. And God's got plans, and even more so, I love God's got a sense of humor sometimes, right? And so invest in this life regardless of it. Quit saying, well, I'm worried. Enjoy it. Invest in it. So he says, invest. But not just that. He goes on and says, not only invest in this life, but enjoy this life regardless of the circumstances. Look at verse 7 through 10. He says, light is sweet. How pleasant to see a new day dawning. When, when people live to be very old, let them rejoice in every day of their life. When you live a long life, enjoy it, man. That's a blessing. But to let them also remember there will be many dark days. Everything still to come is meaningless. This word hevel, this vapor, something you can't grasp. He says, young people, it's wonderful to be young. Don't act like it's not. We're always waiting to get up. Man, I can't wait. to. No, it's like it's wonderful to be young. Enjoy every minute of it. If your parents telling you to grow up, kids are like, hey, no, Solomon said enjoy being young. I'm going to live it up. Being, I love being a young kid. He's like, enjoy it. Enjoy your youth. He says, but remember, remember, oh, sorry, he says, do everything you can want to do and take it all in. But remember that you must give an account to God for everything you do. So, so refuse to worry. If you're young, whatever age you're, don't, don't worry and, and keep your body healthy. Take care of yourself. But remember that youth with your whole life before you is meaningless. What is he saying? He's saying, enjoy this life. Verse 7, he's like, celebrate each new day. Every day, no matter what day it is, man, if you get to wake up and you get to draw breath that morning, man, man, pray like, hey, thank you, Lord, for the day I have. Enjoy it. I don't care what the circumstances are. It is a beautiful day, man, and God has made it, and I'm going to delight in it. I'm going to enjoy it. But verse 8, he says, know that not every day will be good. You will have dark days. Understand that. If you think you're going to live a perfect life and everything's going to great, it's not going to happen. And as parents, sometimes we spend so much time trying to protect our kids from dark days when reality is we need to teach our kids how to navigate through them because it's going to come. It's going to come. And trying to avoid it, pretending like it's going to happen. He says it's hevel. It's that, it's that meaningless vapor. Like He's like, just enjoy what you do have. Enjoy it. Why? Because verse 9, he's like, life is a gift. He's like, young people, enjoy what you have. Why? Because life is a gift. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. If you're young, I love what he says. He says, live it up. Do everything you want to do. Some of you are like, man, I think he just gave me a pike pass to party it up right there. And that's not exactly what he's saying. Do not walk away from this. But he's saying, enjoy life. But he adds a but. A but says, hey, keep this in mind. But what is it? He says, but you are accountable for everything you do. Live up your life, enjoy your life, and you're accountable. And he says everything. Now, I think I need to unpack that's important. Because a lot of times we hear accountability, it's all about not doing bad stuff. Don't, don't do the wrong stuff. And listen, there, there's an aspect of that where when we, we need to make sure that we are being good stewards of our life and living in a way that we're not being uh, reckless with it to a certain extent. But, but not just that, he's also, and by what he's saying here, it's not just about negative stuff, about what you don't do. He's also saying you, you also are held accountable to actually enjoy it. If you live life and walk around miserable and say, man, I hate this life, whatever, you are not worshiping God. To, to not enjoy the life God has given you right now is to rob God of the worship he is rightfully due. It's saying you don't understand what I need is best for me, and, and, and your creation you've put around me is not good enough for me. It's robbing God of the very worship he deserves. And so he say, listen, enjoy it regardless of your circumstances. And every sort of thing, listen, and believers, and we just, man, you, you talk to me like there is a silver lining even in the worst circumstances. Why? Because we believe God is faithful and just and will redeem even all horrible circumstances in our life. And so he's like, enjoy your life. Find a way. Look to God. Quit being miserable. It's sad that the Christians are some of the most miserable, boring people in the world. 
If I were to, <laughs> I remember in high school inviting a friend and say, hey, man, we're having a Christian party. He's like, that sounds like the most boring thing I've ever heard of in my life. Those are like oxymoron, like they do, they do not go together. I'm like, no, we're going to have a good time. And, and we just have trouble in doing this. He says, enjoy everything in life regardless of circumstances. But verse 10, I love, he says, but right now, understand that even right now as you do that, understand this, that right now is not everything there is in life. He said, remember that youth with the whole life before you is meaningless. If you live just for right now, you will regret everything later. If your whole life is dictated on, man, this is the best part of my life, and it's never going to get better, and I just need to enjoy this and neglect any kind of wife, or anything, then he's like, you're, you're wasting your life. You're, you're missing the whole point. He says, it's all hevel. It's all meaningless. So he's saying, invest in this life regardless of risk. Enjoy this life regardless of circumstances. But the last part is the key part that he ties in in chapter 12. And I think it's the linchpin that he wants you to understand. Invest in life, enjoy life, but ultimately live for the next life regardless of this one. You need to understand that you, you are not created for this world, created for this forever. You are here on a temporary voyage to make the most of it for something much more long-term. You're, you're living in a holiday inn right now and calling it home. Listen, enjoy the hotel, enjoy the commodities, enjoy everything is, but don't pretend like this is home. It's not what it is. Look at verse 1, what he says. He says, don't let the excitement of your youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. He's saying, don't forget about God right now. He's saying, don't get so caught up in creation that you forget about the creator in the process. Enjoy life, invest in life, but don't come and worship life. You're still called to worship the creator, not the creation. I think of it like this. Me and Emily... Um, Two different times went on a cruise. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise. If you hate it, love it, whatever. I, I love it, personally. Like, it's all, like, you just engorge yourself with food nonstop. Every time I leave the room, someone cleans it and makes my room for me. I'm like, amen. Like, this, I could live on this thing. You know, the boat rocks me to sleep. Like, it, it was the best time in my life. I loved it. But, but I remember, like, we, we went on a cruise two different times, and the purpose of the cruise is you, you enjoy the cruise ship, and ultimately you get to a destination, and you get off and go enjoy the destination, right? And everything that's there and all the commodities and stuff. What, what amazed me on both of my trips, I would see tons and tons of people that would never leave the cruise ship. They, they would go on these cruises to go to destinations, and that was the purpose, to get to a destination. And the whole time, they're wanting to stay on the cruise ship and just enjoy it. And misunderstanding that the whole time the cruise ship is a vessel to the destination. And how often, when I tie that back to us, how often do we misunderstand that this life is a vessel to something much more and we're supposed to make, we're supposed to enjoy, I'm supposed to enjoy every aspect of that cruise ship, but to get to the destination, like, no, nah, I'm good, I'll stay on the cruise ship. It's like, what, what are you doing? You're missing the purpose of this whole thing. It's to take you to somewhere, it's to enjoy something else. And yet many of us in life do the exact same thing. We sit here and we just want to enjoy the cruise ship and we worship it and admire it and we don't ever realize, hey, this is not what life is all about. That there's something more for me out there. As a matter of fact, he uses this word eight different times in this text from verse 1 to verse 8, this word remember. So you don't forget remember, remember, remember. That, that word remember, the very definition of it, means to have one's mind on something or to bring to one's mind awareness. It's used to emphasize importance. So you see remember, it's like, hey, don't forget this. Don't let this slip your mind. It's like, don't forget that you're not called to live for right now. You're called to live for something more. You're not here to worship creation. You're here to worship creator. Which, before we read the rest, and answer this question, like, why, why can't I live for this life? Why, why is it wrong to my whole, life, my whole 
being wrapped up into what is right now and to, to just enjoy every aspect, to live for the cruise ship. What's wrong with that? Well, verse 2 through 7 that we're about to unpack, and I'm waiting for a reason, is this. He's saying this because ultimately creation was never meant to last. It, it wasn't made for that. You see, we live for eternity, not the temporary and too often we spend all the time about the temporary, this little short span of a window we have, and think this is entire life, when God's like, no, this is just the precursor to much, much more. And if you live everything and your whole focus is tunnel vision on this, you miss everything else. It's like my kids who will go and like Christmas Day, like, oh, we've got Christmas presents coming, and they want to go out and buy like a little lollipop from a store, like, that's all they want. Like, you want this in place, your Christmas, yeah, that's all they want, because they can't get farther sighted than what's right in front of them. Don't miss the bigger aspect of what's going on. Because everything in this world, listen, everything we look for ultimately is going to waste away. It's not meant to last. As a matter of fact, verses 2 through 7, which is such a hilarious text to me, is a metaphor about this world and ourselves constantly breaking down. And I'm going to break it down. He's using all these metaphors and stories to talk about how life is not meant to last when we break down. Look at it. Look at verse 2. He says, remember him before the light of the sun and moon and stars dims your old eyes. He's talking about right there, the first one, he says, remember him before your sight begins to end to lose your sight. Because when you get older, you're going to start losing your ability to see. Or you're like my wife, you've lost it right now, thank goodness for glasses. Like you're, you just begin to lose your sight. He says, or rain clouds darken your sky. He's talking about when you start to get depressed in your older age and say, you know what, I, just, I miss the good old days. You start to lose it, whatever. He says, remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble. He's talking about trembling hands and trembling legs whenever you begin to lose your, your strength in those things. He says, and before your shoulders, the strong men begin to stoop. He talks about as you get older and your posture begins to sag because your body is just meant to deteriorate. It's not meant to last forever. And everything we do, we try to focus on trying to, how can we prolong it? He says, remember before your teeth, your few remaining servants, I love you, calls them your servants, begin to grind away, they stop grinding when you begin to literally start losing all your teeth. Before your eyes, he talks about them as the women looking through the window see dimly. It's talking about when you start to get the cataracts and you can't begin to see good anymore. He said, remember him before the doors of life's opportunity is closed. But before you suddenly are not able to go out and do the things you once did before, remember, don't forget about God until you get to that point. Or the sound of work fades when suddenly you can't work and do the things you used to or people no longer invite you or ask you to come and help with stuff because, let's just be honest, you, you can't do it anymore. You can't accomplish this anymore. He says, don't remember all this sort of stuff. Remember him before you're fearful falling and worry about danger, before you begin to worry about falling all the time and you lose your stability, before your hair turns white like the almond trees in bloom. Almond trees, they bloom. They bloom these beautiful white flowers. He's like, eventually, you'll happen. I'm only 34 years old, and my wife, in the past several weeks, has pointed out gray hair after gray hair after gray hair. I'm going to get some investment in touch of gray or something. I don't know. It's like, it's happening to me. What's going on here, Lord? He says he's slowly going to happen. And you drag along like, uh, uh, without energy like a dying grasshopper. Man, he's pretty morbid to the older people here, isn't he? Like, you just drag along like a dying I'm going to go say it to my grandpa. I probably won't go well. Or, or here he says, or the capperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Uh, a capperberry was a kind of aphrodisiac. He's like, you can take that all you want, but you've kind of lost your libido, and it's no longer there. It's going to happen. Get ready, he's saying. He says, eventually, it's all going to deteriorate. He says, yes, remember your creator now while you're young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden pole is broken. Don't, don't wait until the water uh, jar is smashed at the spirit and the pulley is broken at the well. For then the dust will turn to the earth and the spirit will turn to God who gave it. 
that those last few symbols are all about death and its finality. He's saying, don't forget, listen, if you invest your whole life, you're, you're, you're living for right now, everything right now is, is slowly decaying. The things you love, my new house eventually gets old and needs repairs, it's going to decay. My body, as much as I try to fight against it and care for it, no matter how much you do, eventually will wear down and these things will happen. The, the earth, all the things that I put my faith and stock in eventually don't last. And he says, listen, don't live for those things. Because ultimately, all of life comes from God and someday we'll return back to him. And, and if you neglect that and live for this, you're going to have to give back to God everything that you've invested in. His summary is enjoy creation, but worship the creator. Don't, don't waste your life. Enjoy this life, regardless of the risk. Invest in this life. Don't, don't say, man, I don't, I don't know. No, invest. It doesn't matter. Right now is the time to invest. Do it. He's, he's saying live for the next. Don't ever forget that you're, you're here for something else. What scares me is many are wasting our life waiting for the right opportunity. Right now, you guys are sitting right here. There's many people I've talked to throughout these past few weeks and over the last season. We're, we're waiting for, like, well, once I get through COVID to end, man, that, that's the right opportunity. After that, then I'll start doing these things. Or, or when my kids get older, right? Right now, they're so, so, so young and it's so difficult. I can't, when they get older, then I'm going to start investing and enjoying and all this sort of stuff. But right now, it's just not a good time. We're, or retirement, man. Once my kids have become empty nesters, we're waiting for this perfect. Listen, there is not a perfect opportunity. Well, one of the greatest things for me personally I've dealt with is sitting in the position I am and talking to people in all walks of life. In every walk of life, I'm like, man, I can't wait to get to this age. I'm talking like, it's not what I thought it was. I'm busy. I have us. It's not, it's not perfect conditions. There, there's no such thing. And, and the problem right now with the spirit of what's going on in the world, and talk, I'll be honest, meeting with connecting teachers, talking, the spirit among the church is a spirit of apathy, the spirit of I just don't care. And we've checked out of life, we've checked out of this world, we've checked out of enjoyment, we've checked out of everything. Listen, now is the time to re-engage and jump back in. I love what the New Living Translation says, talking about waiting for perfect conditions. He says, waiting for perfect conditions will mean inactivity. If, if we wait for perfect time and place for personal Bible reading, we will never begin. If we wait for a perfect church, we will never join. If we wait for the perfect ministry, we will never serve. Don't wait for conditions that may never exist. Now is the time. Now's the time to invest. Now's the time to enjoy. But now's the time to live for something else. But what are you waiting for? Warren Wearsby, my last quote I want to read to you is this. He said this, we don't own our lives because life is a gift of God. We, we are stewards of this life. And some people are only spending their lives. Others are wasting their lives. But few are investing their lives. And so my question, my last question as we close this is, is what are you waiting for? Are you wasting your life right now? Are you sitting around waiting for something? Man, I'm just, I just, I'm miserable right now because of what's going on. Man, I hate COVID. I hate politics. I hate what's going on. I hate my, my economy's been hit. My job's been lost. Whatever it is, man, because of that, I can't enjoy life. And so when I get past this, man, I'll enjoy life. I can't invest. I don't want to go spend time serving. I don't want to spend time doing this because right now I'm just not mentally there. And I'll wait. Later will be a better time to invest and do the stuff and invest in this life. I'll do it later. Like I know I need to be doing that God stuff or Christian stuff or whatever. Like now's just not a good time, man. I just don't have the mental capacity. Like listen, now is the time. Tomorrow may never come and will never come with those kind of mindset. And so the question is, what are you going to do right now? 
Many of you I'm talking to, I'm preaching back at myself because I struggle with the same thing, man. I'm just, I'm so checked out. I'm so tired. I'm so frustrated. Now's not, no, like now is the time. What are you going to do? And so I've, I've laid it on heavy, and so now I'm going to ask you to respond faithfully to what God's laying on your heart because some of you, I'm stirring in your heart exactly. I'm, 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 I'm speaking to your life right now, I know. Some of you have checked me out, and that's okay because you're in that spirit, and hopefully God checks you out of that funk. But right now, some of you, I know I'm speaking. I've stirred your pot in your life, and you're a little frustrated with me. And that's okay. I'll take that. It's called conviction. Welcome to church. I'm going to ask right now, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, take a second. Say, God, what do I need to do? God, God, pull pull me out of my funk. Pull me out of my my spirit of frustration, my spirit of anger, my spirit of, of laziness, and my spirit of apathy, my spirit of whatever it is. And God, help me to start doing something. The hardest thing for some of us is maybe just getting out of bed in the morning and saying, God, what do you want to do with me today and doing it? For some of us, it's going to be hard not to say, quit making excuses, say, well, tomorrow I'll do it, tomorrow, tomorrow, no, today. Some of you right now, the investment you need to make, the decision you make is whether you're going to put your hope and trust in Jesus Christ. You've been prolonging, you've been waiting, well, later I'll, put, I'll come and believe this, I'll come to you, listen, today's the day. If you want to know this hope and this, this joy that I have and then that these others want to share, listen, that then today's the day you need to come find one of us and say, hey, what do I need to do to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior? Because apart from him, life is meaningless. If you're a believer and you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you've been struggling with apathy, can I tell you, it is widespread in our church. It is widespread in our nation. Listen, it is time to snap out of it. For, for, for the church's sake, for your family's sake, for your own sake. The MO we've had for the past three, four months over and over talking to teachers, leaders is this, is pe- people are just checked out. People just don't care. Listen, that, that's not a biblical thing. So I want to pray over you and allow God to respond to you whatever you can. Father God, God, I pray, I pray as a church we would not waste your time I pray we would not waste the time you've given us here on earth. We are not promised tomorrow. We're not promised 10 years from now. We're not promised anything, God. We're only promised this life right here, right now. And God, I I, I am such a negative person personally, and I can find every reason why now is not the right time, but tomorrow will be better. And because of that, I've never done any, I've refused to do things I know I should do. And so, God, those things in my life that I know I need to invest in right now, those relationships that I need to start pouring into, God, I pray that I pray you'd help me to snap out of it. God, for the miserable days I get up and I just want to complain and gripe about everything, God, help me to find joy. God, I want to find joy in each day you've made, even in miserable circumstances, knowing and saying, hey, God can do something with this. But God, help me not to forget about you. God, I pray if there's other people that sound my voice that have a desire to, to pursue this thing, then, God, I, I, I pray they would strive after that. I praise you for being present. I praise you for convicting words that sometimes hurt but are needed. God, spur us to action. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to thank you for coming and worshiping with us today. We're going to close with some songs, and I also encourage you to be faithful to your tithe on your way out. You can give online. Um,